Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless possible. Hello and welcome to Shameless, the celebrity and pop culture podcast for smart women who love dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne journalist Zara McDonald and Michelle Andrews. Hello. <laughs> Zara says something funny in the script. I'm pretty sure you stole that line from me. I put that in there. You ready? Yeah. You going to say something funny? Nope. Okay, straight on. On today's show, what the hell is happening to the world? This week, Donald Trump met Kim Kardashian and we feel a bit dizzy. Plus, we need to talk about the ins and outs of having sex when you're a celebrity and the very messy private life of Hugh Grant. But first, Zara, tell me, how was your week? Um, how was my week? Do you want me to tell you the brutal reality of working full time and trying to do a, a side hustle podcast on the side? Oh, I think I might be able to relate to that. Um, you <laughs> didn't have much downtime. Yeah, no, at all. not this week. No, not this week, this not was, at all. Because I think I am going overseas in a couple of weeks. So we are trying to sort of get our ducks in a row to try and work out what kind of content we're going to bring you guys there. So it has been a particularly stupid week in terms of doing work. I have a stress rash around my mouth as we do this podcast because it's just been a bit of a wild ride. But you know what? This week I have learned so much and realized so much about how much other women are willing to support women. And I want to give a shout out to like Laura Henshaw here because I feel like this week we've had so many people just rally around us when we needed it most. We've been so stressed (laughs) and so many people have just been so lovely and supportive and it's just incredible and it just blows me away every time. Well, I know. I so agree. It is really lovely. And I said this to you probably since we started this podcast is how blown away I was about how many people were willing to be really nice about it. And I consider myself quite a nice person, but I think it, it is pretty unique experience trying to work this much outside of your full-time job. It does suck up a lot of your energy and a lot of your time, <laughs> but we do really love doing it. Like that's why we, we really love doing it. But I think when you start to re- realize what goes on when you are trying to do something on top of a, a pretty busy and stressful workload as it is, it's a lot. So I thought it's given me this really unique insight into the minute somebody else or someone that I know um, starts building something, you start to think, okay, well, I know, I know what it takes. So I'm far more willing to be far more open with my praise and far more open with my support than I probably was originally. Yeah. And it's so beautiful because there's such a bad stereotype around there that other women cut 
women down. They which do. Is, women are the worst. <laughs> they're the worst. Um, it's just lovely to see. Honestly, like every message you guys send us and uh, every time you share us on your Instagram is this story. You fishing though? No, because I For actually. More? No, because this week I had the worst anxiety yeah, that I've had in so long. And before we move on from this, I will talk about being anxiety shamed by a married at first sight contestant. That is relevant because the rest of the stuff we've been talking about is not that relevant to celebrity, <laughs> but this is. Yeah, so I've had a really bad week with anxiety. I've broken out with this stupid rash. And every message you guys send us is just like so beautiful and we read it all and it's so, so, so lovely and it's really appreciated. On to me being anxiety shamed. I won't mention what married at first sight of contestant course you was. Well, okay. So I, uh, you know what? I'll drop some hints. Starts with D. Now you go. And I'll just drop them <laughs> the through man. the story. I'll just drop them through the story. Uh, so this person followed me on Instagram months and months ago. I can't remember why. He he sent me a bit of a weird message saying, love your articles. I'm going right. to follow you. In. Second hint. <laughs> and he basically messaged me. Should I read out the yeah, message? Because I think it's quite a funny message that the listeners will really enjoy. I feel like a lot of the stories that we tell about you in here are random degrade reality stars inboxing you on Instagram. And this fucking <laughs> never happens to me. All right, you ready? So I had written somewhere that I had a bad day with anxiety. And he replies, cool. Try being called a sexist and misogynist and wife beater in front of the entire nation. Then talk to me about anxiety. <laughs> I loved when you were telling me about this story as well. You're like, the worst part is because he went on and he added stuff about like articles that perhaps you might have written about him being a misogynist. And you were Which like, I hadn't. That I- was the funniest part. You're like, it's so bad because I've never written an article. And I am sitting there being like, oh, um, I have. <laughs> I've written an article tearing him to shreds, unfortunately, as you know, I tend to do sometimes when I just <laughs> get on my high horse about reality stars. So I will take part of the blame for okay, that exchange. Maybe he was supposed to send that to you, not well, to I'm, me. I would love to say that so I can have some sort of skin in the reality star Instagram inbox game. Um, but I don't, <laughs> and that is fine. Anyway, yeah, he Dean Wells did in anxiety show me, and it was an interesting experience, but we're moving on. Speaking of interesting experiences, there was a photo that went pretty viral this week and it was of Kim Kardashian very awkwardly standing next to Mr. President Donald Trump in the White House. Yeah, this was obviously all over social media. It went absolutely viral as it would because it's so bloody ridiculous. I want to know your feelings about it. Do you feel negatively? Do you feel like it's a positive thing? What's Um, going on? I'm in quite a few minds about it. I think it's an image that will haunt us probably for a very 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 long time the fact that you can have the world's two biggest reality stars arguably the world's two biggest narcissists in the same room talking about how they can influence the world is is a pretty sickening thing but in saying that i think it starts really silly you get into the nitty-gritty of what kim kardashian is actually trying to do and kim kardashian since october last year after um the u.s millennial website mike released a video of this woman called Alice Marie Johnson, who is a 63-year-old grandmother who is in federal prison on charges and has been there for two decades on sort of non-violent drug charges. And basically when she was in her 40s, she says she was out of work. She needed to support her family. She got involved in a, I think it was a cocaine drug ring, and she got sentenced to basically life without parole for a non-violent crime. And I think in America, when you're in federal prison, you aren't eligible for parole at all. So she's basically stuck there. And the only chance she has to get free is clemency. And that means President Trump basically needs to go. You can walk free. So 
Kim Kardashian apparently saw this video on Twitter or Facebook or something and has really passionately got behind the case. Yeah, so as much as we can laugh about it, and for probably three or four days, I was looking at this story and going, this is so ridiculous. What is this world that we're living in? So did you not see that photo or hear those rumors and think, I want to know what's going on? Or did you just think it was a, a, a circus, like like a lot of the stuff that goes in that office is? I just thought it was so ridiculous that I couldn't be bothered to wrap my mind around mm. why this was happening. But once I did do that... I was just overwhelmed with this story because it is so uh, sad that Alice is looking at a life sentence with no possibility of parole when she this all happened. So she was involved in this cocaine trade ring. Mm. She never touched cocaine. She had nothing to do with it. Her job was to be on the phones passing on code messages, coded messages to different uh, traffickers. And this happened Almost immediately after she lost her son, he died in a motorcycle accident. So it came in an incredibly difficult point in her life. And as she says in one of the videos, she said, I went into a complete panic and out of desperation, I made one of the worst decisions of my life to make some quick money. I became involved in a drug conspiracy. So look, yes, it's ridiculous. Yes, it's absurd. But once you actually dive deeper into it, Kim Kardashian throwing all of her weight and giving this woman a new legal team. Kim Kardashian is paying for all of her legal costs. She is really trying to get this great-grandmother out of prison. Once you dig into that stuff, I am all for it. If Kim Kardashian wants to use her power for good for once over weight loss lollipops and weight loss products out there, I'm all for it. If she wants to push for criminal justice reform why not? I mean, it's better than her going and spending all the money on a new Fendi handbag. No, and I agree with that. I think my the fact I feel conflicted doesn't come down to me thinking that she's not doing a good thing. It's me coming down to sort of how much that good thing is worth. And what I mean by that is that this is just one person who needs clemency and that's that's a worthy case but of all of the time in the world that the president has I don't think he should be spending an hour of his day talking to Kim Kardashian about one person and I say this because and I I know this is a pop culture podcast but it and it is funny to me that sort of Donald Trump is sort of so far between the political world and the pop culture world but in the last week or two there have been so much discourse around those 1500 lost children that that basically the government has lost these children coming across the border that they've put into care and now they don't know where these children are and there are strong rumors and really strong fears that they have been sold into human trafficking or in child labor and I think of all of his time that could he could be giving to that cause, the fact that he's sitting in the White House with Kim Kardashian is troubling, regardless of how worthy that, that conversation is. So I think a few things can be true at once. She can be doing a good thing, but it doesn't mean it's the overridingly right thing to be happening this week. Does that make sense? I think there's a scale of importance here and hers falls, unfortunately, on the low end of the scale. Yeah. It really does in the grand scheme of what's going on in America right now this woman's case is not important. And I say that and it sounds really, really harsh. But I think for him, it's far more of a publicity thing than an idea, than than the fact he, he genuinely wants to hear the, the case from Kim. Yeah, absolutely. And he hasn't granted clemency yet. The day after, I think <laughs> Which is he, so funny. I think he uh, wiped the charges against, who was it? Two people who were working for him previously. Yeah. There was like three people, I think, he announced the day later that he would be granting clemency to and, oh, and she, old mate Alice Marie Johnson wasn't one of them. So I think where I land on it is... Just just because 
the conversation is worthy. And just because it's what she's doing isn't wrong doesn't mean it's the correct use of his time. Yeah. Just to make light of this whole segment, because we are a celebrity podcast, <laughs> I found it so funny. All the Twitter conversations were hilarious, so saying funny. basically it was with a photo of Kim and Trump in the Oval Office saying, show this to someone in 2014 and their brain would explode. Ab- or imagine if you're in a coma for two years and you wake up and you're like, hey, I think Ricky Gervais tweeted that. It was like, imagine if you woke up after a two-year coma and just saw this. Like, I sometimes forget how absurd it is that he is in the White House. I can't take it seriously. I sometimes think that when we have children and grow up, our children will be like, what the fuck happened? But most of us will be like, yeah, we just floated through that period too. Like, we had no fucking idea. (laughs) And now it's time for the quick and dirty, as always, Michelle, This week is going to bring you five headlines from the rough and tumble of the news cycle that you may have missed as you were doing real things with your real lives. How dare you? How very dare you not pour over every celebrity news story like we do? All right, you ready? You were born ready. Don't do that line again. I don't like it. It's quite lame. Okay. Story number one. Ben Simmons, root rat, may have cheated on Tanache with Kendall Jenner. It will Let be shocking guess. to know that that was from Pedestrian. Yes, root rat. I don't mind that. Root rat. <laughs> Sometimes I don't understand the headlines, as I have said before, because I just I don't think I understand millennial jargon as well as I would like to think I do. <laughs> but that is quite good. Ben Simmons is Australian. He's from Melbourne. He is. He. Um. I think he played. He, he was on 60 Minutes a couple of weeks ago um, because his parents were interviewed. I think there was sort of a choice between him going into AFL and in going to the NBA and basketball. And shockingly, he chose the one where there was 100 million more dollars in it, more than that, billions. What a terrible it. choice. And now there are rumours that he's dating Kendall Jenner. Yeah, there is. So they've only been dating for a few weeks, according to Pap Shots. But uh, apparently there was a bit of overlap. Tanache's a singer, I think. Well, the funny, yeah, rapper. So I'm told by my friends. Um, We're going to be really embarrassed. We are so bad with music culture. We actually really, really are. So when I watched this 60 Minutes episode um, or this segment, I immediately went and stalked him on Instagram and he was dating Tanache at the time. And this was only a few weeks ago. So when this story came out, um, I was like, "Eh." anyway, one of my friends messaged me during the week and asked if we were going to be talking about this on the podcast. I'm not going to name him because he asked to be named. And I think oh, that's a much funny way of doing it. The ultimate power he move. Said, we should look for the Kardashian curse, apparently. He's a big basketball fan and says that the minute a basketballer starts dating a Kardashian, they don't play well. It's quite anti feminist of you to think that some woman can just destroy a man. It's like life. they've got this like curse on them, like, because women, women are crazy and they're super emotional, so that the, be- the, the basketballers can't say stable. Well, oh, they really are the lesser. Is sex. my tone coming across very well? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I'm joking. I hope the Daily Mail turns that into an article. All yeah. right. <laughs> Little known journalist Sarah McDonald with about 300 followers on Instagram says something on little known podcasts. Mate, if I've ended up on the Daily Mail, you, oh, they're excuse, coming for you. excuse to drop. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't even talk about that. Nah, anyway, keep going. All right, second story. The sad reality of winning The Bachelor. Alex Nation reveals she couldn't make enough money from sponsored Instagram posts and was forced to return to work full time. That's from the Daily Mail. I love the wording, forced to return to work. How dare they? As if she was there with handcuffs and being pulled back. (laughs) Sad story, of course, when you, um, old Hello Smile 
won't pay you enough for a yearly salary to get you through. It is tricky. I mean, this is the reality to the vast majority of influencers. Yes, you hear about those who have 800,000 plus followers who make a killing online. But for the vast majority, this is it. You do a couple of years of earning money off teeth whitener and body oil and then you have to go back to your regular life and then what do you do when you apply for a job I know I was talking to someone who I used to work with who is quite close with a pretty big influencer as far as influencers go and she was worried because she said you know she's she's making pretty good coin now but I don't know what happens in four or five years when she needs to find a job and she hasn't been in the, the workforce in the traditional sense as we know it for some years now what do they do what do they put on their resume I'm not gonna lie when I watch YouTube influencers I almost adopt this motherly concerned role where I see these women and these men earn hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and they are bathing in riches and in material items and they're going and buying designer bags all the time and in my head as a rational 24 year old I'm thinking you need to buy a house now this is the peak of your earning potential you can't just spend all this money away because uh, if you don't really take care of your money during this time when it's all flowing in you're going to basically have just taken a holiday from your career and you're going to be four five Ten years behind your peers who weren't Instagram influencers. Can I just say, I mean, the influencer culture is definitely new, but that idea is certainly not. I think you will talk to AFL players who would have to do the same thing, and a lot of them don't if they don't have really good family around them or really good manager around them who make sure that they invest their money well while they earn it. What are they going to do? What? How do they find jobs? Often, I think there's a there's a huge hole in our conversations about what a lot of AFL or any sports people do after their career finishes because they have been out of traditional workforce for so long. And it'll be interesting because I think we haven't had that conversation about influencers yet because it is so new. But we're going to start seeing a lot of the people who are once at the peak of their popularity and earning great coin and really popular. It can't last forever. So it'll be interesting in the next ten years to see how that turns out okay, story three along, <laughs> tangent queen ambient maker says racism is not a known side effect after comedian roseanne barr blames drug for tweet that's from the abc face palm yeah i know do we really want to say anything else well about i mean she was so right ra- i don't want to talk about what tweet she put no, out it's so racist and gross no i i don't think it's worth doing that at all i think it's sad that a lot of people have um subsequently lost their jobs because she was so racist um i did think it was interesting that she has been um she has held questionable views for a very very long time and that it took you know t- till 2018 for people to just it's not good it's not good for brand it's not good for publicity it's not good for like business to be associated with sexual harassers with racist people and with assholes now which i think is the most heartening thing out of everything yeah and i think she's actually a conspiracy theorizer so definitely is (laughs) her to be out there and promoting just utter bullshit is quite confronting. I mean, they could have seen this coming. I'm quite surprised they didn't. I'm the same with you. Hundreds of people are behind this production and it is heartbreaking for those people who have now lost their jobs because of a stupid 140 character tweet. Just before we move on, I think when you said it's it's surprising that it's taken this long, maybe that is why I think they moved so quickly. Um, I think it was a matter of hours before she was sacked after she had done these tweets. So clearly there was stuff going on behind the scenes where maybe the wheels were in motion that if this happens one more time, we're out. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. All right. Number four, I am keen to hear your thoughts on this one in particular. Bella Hadid responds to plastic surgery rumors. The supermodel sets the record straight. That's from InStyle magazine. And she obviously said that she has never touched her face with anything despite long running rumors. So we are, we have a particular interest in this 
case. Am I going to call her a case? It's a case yeah. study. Um, right, we discussed this on one of the very early episodes of Shameless. Your question is going to be, does she have a responsibility to, to tell the truth? I think she's too young, to be honest. I think she's, what, 21, if that. I think for us to expect her to know how to handle that situation yet is a bit much. I think... If she goes her whole life denying it, then I'll struggle with it. But I think I'll give her a few years before I really crack down. Yeah. I just don't like feeling like I'm blind in that you can show a before and after photo and there are very clear differences in the structure of someone's yeah, face. Yeah, exactly. So I don't even think she has to, if I'm honest. Like, does she have to? When when the Daily Mail or when, you know, news outlets are putting her old face, quote unquote, next to her new face – it's pretty obvious what's going on. So does she necessarily have to, you know, open up about that? Not yet. No, she doesn't. I think it'll just be an interesting narrative to unfold if she's denying it now, yeah. how she can carry that on in the future. I know. All right. My last story, why Paris Jackson just stormed out of a show during Paris Fashion Week. That is from Mamma Mia. So it, because horses were involved, right? Yeah. So Paris Jackson is a pretty staunch protector of animal rights. I have a feeling she's even vegan. And she was at the Dior <laughs> show and saw how the horses were being used basically as stage animals and stormed out right as the show was beginning. Mm, I think she's denied that use of stormed out. She said she walked away quietly. But I think when you're sitting in the front row of Paris Fashion Week, there is no such thing as leaving the building quietly. There was an interesting opinion on this. Did you read this one in the in Fairfax this week in both the Age and Sydney Morning Herald? No, from, what was that? Um, from Melissa Singer, who is the, the fashion columnist there. And she said... You know, it's all well and good Paris to, to walk out of Paris Fashion Week, but I have two words for you, and that is the Melbourne Cup. Mm. And Paris Jackson accepted a pretty hefty paycheck last year to come to Melbourne Cup where, you know, wherever you stand on it, there are questions about the treatment of animals and horses do die racing. Melissa Singer was, was argument was a pretty blunt one, and that is if you're going to accept pretty hefty paychecks, checks you know, coming to the Melbourne Cup, then do you have the right to then storm out of Paris Fashion Week as in part a, a branding exercise for you so people know exactly what you stand for. Mm. I don't know. It's a really tricky one. I don't know if I necessarily agree with it. Paris Jackson is very young. Perhaps she wasn't. She didn't do enough research on the Melbourne Cup, which is a mistake, but I think one I'm willing to, to forgive her for when she is so young. Mm. What do you think? No, I do agree. I think it's tricky with Paris Jackson because she hasn't had the easiest life. Yeah. So I think we can be a bit more lenient on her behaviour, but she does now have the reputation of someone who's not only difficult to work with, but a bit of a diva. Mm. And it's a hard reputation to shake off. I think we've seen that with plenty of other celebrities who have uh, accumulated that tarnished uh, diva brand before and it might be tricky for her to now circumvent that. I think that's all we have for the quick and dirty this week. Thank you. The great collection there. Mm. I look good. Hi, my name's Natasha. I'm 24 years old and I'm from Perth, Western Australia. I was lucky enough to party with uh, Justin Bieber. I'm not allowed to say anything. A girl doesn't kiss or tell. So, yeah. <laughs> this week on Love Island, aka the trashiest show to ever exist, contestant Natasha told her fellow Islanders that she had a two day sex fest with an A lister in 2013. But there was a catch. Natasha could not reveal the celebrity's identity, telling her castmates, it's a secret. It was five years ago. I'm not allowed to say anything else because you'll all get it easy. 
Why? Because she'd signed a little something called a non-disclosure agreement. And it turns out NDAs aren't a rarity. The biggest celebrities in the world force sexual partners to sign them. Zara, did you know this was a thing? A little bit. I mean, I think there are definitely rumours about Justin Bieber going around and I think we're making the assumption that it was Justin Bieber. And when I said making the assumption, if people actually watched Love Island in its entirety last week, which I actually didn't, I'm going to admit, but I'd watched the first episode. And in the first episode, they sell her as the woman who spent, who's partied with Justin Bieber for two nights. And then five episodes later, apparently, she comes out and says she spent two nights with an A-lister. And the narrator was giving away clear hints, which was fascinating to me because if she signed an NDA but then gone and told these producers who are then telling the world, it's interesting to me if that's breaching the NDA or not. Well, it is, absolutely. But I read a really interesting piece in the Telegraph in the UK about NDAs that came out sort of in the wake of the the Weinstein case because I think in more recent times, the context that we've had discussions about NDAs are in the context of silencing women after they've been assaulted, they've been raped or they've been harassed. And this Telegraph article went into the scandalous history of NDAs and said, you know, it's been interesting if you look at examples in the past of women who have broken NDAs and how they haven't actually been chased up. So the Telegraph used two examples, I think. They used one example of a woman that came out and spoke about in fact, Justin Bieber and her, what am I going to say, sexual liaisons, rendezvous. It's a very fancy way to put banging, yeah. boning. <laughs> Bonking, as my friend Sammy always says. And they basically came out and said, I'm quoting the Telegraph here, he's sexual prowess. And the Telegraph also noted an example where someone came out and did a similar thing about Drake. And they said, it's really funny, these women were never chased up legally because it ended up being very good publicity. Mm, it's a glowing um, it's review. Free, it's free publicity for them. And it's, you know, of course these celebrities are going to be doing things in their own time. Nobody's shocked by that. Nobody's disgusted by that. That's just exactly how the world works. So it's not bad publicity for these women to come out like that. I think they would pick and choose definitely what battles they they fight. Well, I don't think many men out there would be horrified for the world to know that they're great in bed. Exactly. Exactly <laughs> right. So in that case, I don't think that... It's really the end of the world if she does come out. And I think that's why Love Island don't really give a shit if we know. Yeah, absolutely. But this whole culture of NDAs is fascinating in the celebrity world to me. Uh, I sure, I'm sure that you remember the very messy breakup between Taylor Swift and Calvin Harris in 2016. And r- reportedly the reason none of the gritty details that would cast Taylor in a bad light. The reason none of those ever came out is because she made Calvin Harris sign an NDA when they began dating. So that protected their entire relationship, everything from intimate relationship details to what happened in the bedroom to reasons for them parting ways. That was all covered legally. And Calvin Harris cannot go and share that. Otherwise he's liable and he can pay Taylor Swift for that. What I find interesting about Taylor Swift in particular, because I think if you do a bit of um, research on NDAs, Taylor Swift's name come up a lot, comes up a lot, but only often in the context of Calvin Harris. And I kind of resent this story a tiny bit because Calvin Harris is very famous on his own account. And there is every chance in the world they both just decided to sign an NDA. But it plays into this really, really common story we hear about Taylor Swift being this crazy, manipulative, controlling person who was so obsessed with her brand, like over-obsessed with her brand, that she would go to the nth degree in order to protect it. And I think this story annoys me when it comes to NDAs because there is, like I said, every chance they both signed it. And it's in their, both of their best interests to not be caught up in a tabloid story about the the breakdown of their relationship. Like or what it, they're doing in the bedroom. Exactly. So I think the way that that has framed is it was really interesting to me. Yeah, and we should 
include i mean there are so many names oh, yeah. that are associated with this that they literally will meet someone at a nightclub or meet someone out and security for that person will go and get the other person to sign an nda while still at the club so girls have come out from coachella just recently saying i was partying with a rapper literally just dancing with him and all of a sudden i had these paperwork thrust in my face wanting me to sign an NDA as if I was going to have sex with him. So Which legally is really interesting to me because how do they have time or the, how are they of sound mind to actually read through that contract and sign it? I mean, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know, but it's it's yeah. odd to me. When alcohol or drugs are involved, yeah. how they can actually sign that and it and it's legitimate. So some of the other names uh, associated with NDAs include, but are not limited to, you ready for this? Mm. Jennifer Lopez, Charlie Sheen. Miley Cyrus. Charlie Shane, shocking. <laughs> Miley Cyrus, Drake, Britney Spears, Chris Brown. Yeah. Another shocking one that he wouldn't want any more relationship yeah. details out there. Scott Disick and Leonardo DiCaprio. Well, I think I don't think there'd be a celebrity who is single that that wouldn't consider this as an option because what are you meant to do? Like, who blames them? There are a lot of money-hungry people out there who after sleeping with a celebrity can very easily sell their story or sell something else. And I think, why why wouldn't you? Why yeah. like why why wouldn't you exercise the thought of of enforcing these against people that you meet? There are, like I touched on earlier, two very different types of NDAs that we talk about coming out of Hollywood. There are the ones, like you just said, where they just you're just having a party with Justin Bieber and you need to sign something before you go in. But there are also the ones that Harvey Weinstein was very very well known for using, which were the ones to essentially silence women that he had allegedly abused. There was a pretty interesting piece in Slate in the wake of the Weinstein scandal by a writer called Katie Waldman and she says, gag orders brush a layer of volition over what is essentially intimidation. So it's sort of like this appearance of cooperation but like we just said as well, how how aware are you of exactly what you're signing when you're signing it if you are drunk or if you're intimidated or if there's a huge power imbalance again? Yeah and it might protect men from being bad well, it might exactly. actually protect their really dangerous behavior that happens in the bedroom that if you agree to sleep with a male celebrity and then the sexual experience is horrible or it's uh abusive yeah then you don't have much ground really to go and complain about that or make that public so these ndas are created to be incredibly watertight they are so strict in 2015 charlie sheen's nda document was actually leaked to InStyle magazine and it's intense it basically protected any and all interactions that women had with Charlie Sheen, whether they were text messages, verbal conversations, sexual relationships, anything. Breaching anything in that contract meant that those women would be would be up for a $100,000 fine plus any damages on top of that. Yeah. So if you're a regular woman having a sexual relationship with, say, Drake, you cannot tell people the nitty-gritty of that relationship unless it's very glowing. You are very liable and in a lot of danger of losing basically everything you have. Well, it is really troubling to me. I think we it's really complex because what do you do if you're famous? Obviously, you are going to probably get people to sign this because your reputation is important at the end of the day. You can't have people lying about you or telling the truth in the press. But in saying that, what do you do? Like, what do you do as a woman or even as a man, might I say, that if you sign this really early, having absolutely no idea what you're getting into before you walk into a party? They're in the, the Telegraph piece that I keep noting that I will put in the show notes. They spoke about this this great Gatsby party of Justin Bieber's and there were naked partiers, professional strippers, Snoop Dogg partaking in a game of strip beer pong and allegedly more marijuana than you know what to do with. That's pretty, I mean, 
what an energy party as far as party goes. But what happens if that does is if that's taken a little bit further and you are put in a really compromising situation that you are really uncomfortable with, there is absolutely no nothing you can do about that. It would be really interesting to see if there were any clauses where you could go to the police because I imagine there's none. Yeah. So you're it, blind. You're absolutely blind. And it goes beyond the document as well. A lot of these celebrities, if you choose to spend time with them, you will have your phone and your identity taken away and they will take mm. photocopies of your identity so that they've got information on you. So it is intimidating. Obviously, we're putting quite a serious spin on this, but just to make it a bit lighter, in the case of Miley Cyrus, when she was single, before she was with Liam Hemsworth or in the gap when they broke up, she would screen potential men that she wanted to sleep with by getting them to be interviewed by her assistant that's such a cracker then they would have to hand over their phone and then they could have sex who would want like who could be bothered i guess bragging rights is that about it i don't know well it's kind of like you have to do a job interview to sleep with miley cyrus and i'm sure that might be the case for plenty of other women involved with this uh another really fascinating story about ndas for me is that ben affleck's tryst with the nanny who he was married to jennifer garner at the time it was an affair the reason the nanny allegedly allegedly The reason the nanny never really came out and said anything is that to protect his affair, he got her to sign an NDA. But of course, that's the most common one I can possibly think of. It's just so screwed up that you've got a wife. Like, in my mind, I would like to think that men who cheat and women who cheat do it on a whim and it's not a really... Because, of course, the ones who cheat have morals. Yes. Well, it's not (laughs) a really well thought out plan. Whereas if you have to get your mistress to sign an NDA, does not one part of your brain go, hmm... Maybe I shouldn't try to protect my affair by law. It'd be interesting to see like how exactly, I mean, we're really getting into the nitty gritty of contract law of which neither (laughs) of us are qualified. But I think it'd be interesting. I can maybe, what if they slept together? He came to her with a contract. I don't think you can sign a contract retrospectively sort of to say that's a secret, but maybe, maybe he was able to do that and say, well, this happened once. You can't talk about it from here on out. I don't know. Or maybe they really loved each other and she did it out of the good of her heart. (laughs) I don't know. But really interesting kind of, I don't know, this, the, the, the murky world underneath the glamour of being a celebrity. And it's the murky sex world because, as we know, people have different tastes and they have different things that they're interested in. And we know that sex stories can destroy celebrity reputations. I know that this was a paparazzi shot for Sarah Ferguson or Fergie, but she still suffers to this day with the toe-sucking Yeah, I think that's story. she's a woman, though, not a man. But anyway. But the toe-sucking stuff still affects her. And so you need to protect the bedroom from anything outside it. And Prime Minister? I love that word, relationship. Covers all manner of sins, doesn't it? I fear that this has become a bad relationship. A relationship based on the President taking exactly what he wants and casually ignoring all those things that really matter to um, Britain. Last weekend, everyone's favourite commitment phobe, Hugh Grant, married his girlfriend, Swedish television producer, Anna Oberstein. Like most things Hugh Grant does, it was a low-key affair. It also came as Grant arguably hits his peak as an actor at the moment, starring as Jeremy Thorpe in a very English scandal and rebranding himself as a star willing and ready to take on meteor roles. Mish, do you think this is finally Grant's life coming full circle after a pretty weird last decade? I don't think it's been the last decade. I think Hugh Grant's entire celebrity life has been murky. It's been muddled with uh, salaciousness and headlines and quite complicated family structures, as we'll get into. So I'm not sure if it's even been the last decade. I would say it's been the last 25, 30 years. 
he's verging on 60 now. So I know I should have said that. He's married for the first time at, at 57. Yes. I was surprised myself by how much disdain I held for Hugh Grant after doing the research for this podcast. And I'm a huge Hugh Grant sort of fan when it comes to his movies. Um, I think every woman because, is, Because he we? plays the same character in every single movie, which is that bumbling, lovable, charming commitment phobe that would be the most annoying person to date, but suddenly and somehow translate into the most, you know, charismatic character on screen. But I, I did feel resentful and I, I want to say this in a way that's not totally and utterly predictable, but I think it's, I noted pretty suddenly how we consider the George Clooney's and the Hugh Grant's of the world compared to the Jennifer Aniston's. Now, Jennifer Aniston is not even, she's probably be just 50. And I think we frame men like George Clooney, who only really recently settled down and had kids, and the Hugh Grant, who really only recently settled down and had kids, as sort of like hopeless cases, commitment phobes, but at the end of the day, people with agency and people with choice who are in this this scenario, being single, at that later in life by choice. Whereas when we're talking about Jennifer Aniston, it's discussed in this context of sort of sympathy. Like why does this keep happening to our Jen? Or why does she keep finding these men who don't treat her that well? Or why does she always find these broken relationships instead of she chose to be single at this point in her life because she didn't want to be in those relationships? Yeah, that's a really great point. With George and with Hugh, we saw them as two men who wanted to be single. It was always framed as they want to have sex with a bunch of women. They want to be bachelors. They love the bachelor and life. it's just funny. It's like, oh, they'll, they'll get to it eventually. Yeah. They will get there eventually. Or Whereas with Jen, right? we're like, oh, my God, is she ever is she ever going to get there? It's sort of – It's to, not her choice to be single. No. Instead of being – it's like a woman only would ever have the choice to be in a relationship. She would never choose to be single. Whereas a man – we're fine with that. Well, it proves to me once again that like a man's identity can be his work and and that's it. But a woman's first and foremost will be like the product and partner of somebody else and whether she can grow a baby inside her uterus. Yeah. Because the only reason we're so stressed for her is because she's she's old and she might not be able to have kids. Because her ovaries are ticking. Yeah. It's... On that note. So that's where I started. Yeah. To, with disdain and I think resentment for how we frame his life and yeah. in his private life. So let's actually give a rundown of his private life because, guys, this is the most interesting private life of any celebrity that I've heard. And he's been able to keep it under wraps, I have to say, relatively well for yeah. someone who has such a stupidly insane private life. I think I'm ready to recap this for you. Okay. Are you ready? I'm glad you're doing it, not me. <clears throat> All right. Hugh Grant did not have a baby until he was 51. That was his first child who he had to a woman named Ting Lang Hong. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Now, she was penciled down as a fleeting affair by his publicist. The publicist said they are not together. This was a very short fling. He didn't even attend the birth of his child. He, a couple months later, was speaking to the Telegraph and said, I like my daughter very much. Fantastic. Has she changed my life? Not sure. Not yet. Not massively. No. (laughs) Best quote I've ever heard because it is just so horrifying. So had this baby... This was in 2010 and then we get to the end of 2012 and Hugh Grant suddenly has three children. Try to do the maths on that because I don't think it's mathematically possible unless twins you impregnate two different women at once. Yes. Which he did for his second and third children, both boys. He impregnated Ting Lang Hong again. I love how you how much you're concentrating when you're trying to get this out. Like this is not a clear cut case to come across very clear. <laughs> he impregnated Ting Lang Hong, who was clearly not such a fleeting affair as we had first thought, and he got Anna Eberstein, his current wife, pregnant. My I think it's interesting here that Anna was pregnant before 
Yes, Ting so, Lang. So it's so like he's gone back and forth. It's not like he met Ting Lang, had two kids with her, then very, very quickly while Ting Lang was pregnant, met Anna. No, no. He went Ting Lang, Anna, Ting Lang. Brilliant. Brilliant. So clearly once the uh, tabloid press got hold of this, Hugh Grant retreated entirely from the media. He did not want a bar of it. He did not want to give any information because clearly his family situation is very, very modern, shall we mm. say. So from there, he completely retreated. He put up the doors. No one really knew anything about his private life. Two of his children children's names are still unknown. From then, he went on to have two more children with Anna. He is now a father of five. So everything changed very, very quickly for this man. Uh, Ten years ago, he had no children. Now he has five and a wife. So he's gone from being the eternal bachelor to being a committed husband and father with a pretty interesting history. Yeah, I think... I think he did manage and I think when we consider Hugh Grant and I don't know if I should be talking on behalf of other people because people might really disagree with me but like I said I've always been a Hugh Grant fan because he's played that that same role and and you can't not love that however flawed he may be. We really struggle to separate the the actor from the character because his private life for so many years seemed to play out in a really similar way to his characters. So I think in 1995 when he was caught with a sex worker in a car when he was actually dating Liz Hurley, that's right? Yeah, Liz Hurley was the longest relationship of his life. 30 years, quite a long time I have to say when you're both pretty super famous. Yeah. I wonder if it's any accident that he did continue to play. Either he was just really lazy and thought that character worked for him or he thought this is the best possible branding exercise I can take part in, just playing the same role over and over and over again. So when it comes down to it, the the sex worker saga doesn't seem that out of character because it's like, oh, just bumbling Hugh Grant. Like he just fucks up every so often, but we still love him. Yeah, lovable but makes a lot of mistakes. Which is such – I'm being I'm being so predictable today, but it's such – such a privilege that we afford men and absolutely don't afford women. Like, can you imagine if Charlie's Theron had five different kids to two different men all over the top of each other? We would be like so thirsty for that story. Mm. And yet we, we are interested in the Hugh Grant story, but I don't think it's anywhere in the news as much as it possibly could have. Could be. Yeah, for some reason we find a womanizer sexy, yeah. whereas a woman to do that would be a slut. I think the other thing we need to note in this case is the context in which Hugh Grant became famous, and that is as a British actor. And I think the British tabloids are, I think it would be pretty fair to say they are far harsher and far more cruel on the celebrities around them than anybody else. And I think we can argue that because of the News of the World scandal almost a decade ago when when News of the World, a now defunct news outlet, hacked the phones of so many celebrities in order to get their stories. And one of them was Grant. Exactly. And I think it's absolutely no surprise that when all of this happened after the the big scandal of the news of the uh, after the big news of the world scandal that he did retreat from the limelight. Why would you trust any kind of media outlet? Why would you give a puffy profile piece to anyone when you just don't trust anyone? He mm. testified at the Leveson inquiry, which was sort of the big inquiry into the British tabloid press after the hacking scandal, and he basically said a couple of things. He said he wasn't present at the birth because, and this is a quote. As detailed in my main statement, I've had too many experiences of hospital staff being paid to leak information to the press. And basically, if you read through that inquiry, and I'll link this in the show notes because it read through his statement, 
it's quite astounding how many people he doesn't trust because every single person that he came into contact with leaked something about him. And that's got to be a pretty tough way to, to become famous. And when your personal life is, is pretty murky and pretty tricky anyway, it why would you want anyone to have a hand in that, in it's, spreading that message? It's a pretty daunting reality to think that your partner or the woman that you've gotten pregnant would give birth and you can't trust the midwife. That would be incredibly daunting. And so I agree with you. I understand why he has retreated and... I am interested to see how his career is changing now. Now that his public image has changed, he's now a husband. And now that his wedding photos of them standing on the street outside the city hall, I think they got married. It's a very low-key affair. I have to say, I know we often talk about women and our, we receive women in a much uh, lovelier light when they are partnered up. But I don't think that's untrue for men as well. I think there's something in the way that we consider Hugh Grant now that he's married. It's sort of a feeling of, well, he's settled down and he's calm and maybe he has the time, energy and focus to put into a career. And the timeline works to that. Whether or not that's just a great big coincidence, who knows. But he is starring in a very English scandal at the moment. Have you had a chance to check this one out? No, I've seen the trailer and so, it looks like a far more serious role than anything serious. he's been so in. So it's actually it's quite a task getting hands on this, watching it from Australia. I don't know how I managed to do it. I think you need – so it's streaming through the BBC, um, but we don't have access to do that. So I did something that I have no idea if it's illegal or not, so I'm just not going to bother telling you. But in order to stream something overseas. Put it in the Facebook group. Tell us yeah. all how you did it. I'm sure people know how to do this, but this was like the first time I've ever done it. <laughs> anyway, so basically it's quite serious in that he stars as Jeremy Thorpe, which is this former liberal politician in, in the UK who was gay at a time when being gay was illegal in the UK. And he got into a relationship with this young guy who ended up blackmailing him. Now, it's a true story. You could Google it if you wanted to, but I think it's way more fun if you actually do want to watch it to sort of see it out with a sense of of ignorance about the story. But he is so far from what I'm used to seeing Hugh Grant on screen. It's it's really, really interesting for me to, to watch this in the same week that he got married. Like that is just fascinating to me. I think Hadley Freeman, who writes for The Guardian, called it a deeply enjoyable renaissance of Hugh Grant, which I thought was a really lovely way of putting it. And the New Statesman called it the role of his life. So, wow. Yeah. So I thought it's, it's really nice. I would actually encourage, I've only seen the first episode, but I think it's just really interesting to see him in a different context acting wise. And it's always fascinating to see how playboys can remodel their image uh more locally there's an example in brendan favola who Mm. was definitely the playboy who got caught cheating and had a whole string of things that should have really trashed his brand to the point of no return and they didn't and i think that's a really good local example of how over the years and as these men mature we do give them the benefit of the doubt and we let them keep coming back and in the case of both Favola and Grant their careers are now reaching a peak when they're a little bit later in life for what we'd expect from other celebrities. Yeah absolutely I mean like I touched on it is a privilege that we don't afford to many people it is probably just just straight white men to be honest, yeah. um, it helps that Brendan Favola was a footy star because there's something about us in Australia just absolutely adoring anyone that can kick a football or throw a ball. But I just think it's really fascinating that, that Hugh Grant has been able to sort of, I guess, come full circle. Eventually, it's taken him, though, two decades to be able to do it. I will be really interested to see what happens here, A, in his marriage, whether they have more kids, whether he is spotted with um, his children from his other relationship and whether he continues to pick up media work. I need to watch this show immediately. Yeah, I think you do now. Guys, I think that's all we have time for today. That is it. 
Thank you so much for joining us for episode 13. You can subscribe to the show in your feed. You know what? Doing that really does help spread the word and allow other people to find our show. It is just Sarah and I to this. We edit it. We produce it. We create it all by ourselves. And we don't have a company behind us like many other podcasts do. So you guys pressing subscribe is the biggest way you can help us. Also, don't forget, as always, we love it when you want to take part in the conversation and so many of you do and we really love that. So best place to do that, I would say, to start is come and join our Facebook group. You can search for Shameless Celebrity Gossip on Facebook and come and be our friend. I cannot believe I got that out without stumbling over my words. Um, Also, we're on Instagram. Come and follow us on Instagram too. We are uh, Shameless Podcast or something. Nearly stumbled there. There's also our email. So if you guys ever have a segment idea or if you want to weigh in on what we've spoken about or just have a chat, come email us. We're at shamelessthepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much, guys. We will catch you next week. Bye. Hello, guys. Mish here. I am the co founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.